Well, hello everybody. Welcome once again to our midweek service right here at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. I am so excited and delighted that you decided to be with us today. We're gonna to have a great time in the Lord. Oh, I just so look forward to these times together where you and I share in God's rich word. Well, before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. But you know what, before we have a word of prayer, let me tell you some things. The Lord really does love you. Your heavenly father loves you so very much. He loves you with a passionate love. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. He's able to look past your deeds and see the real you. You are the prize. You are the prize. You've heard people say, don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Well, it is the baby that is valuable. The bathwater is dirty. And as any parent knows, there is a big difference, big difference between the baby and the bathwater. God knows how to separate you from your sin, you from your immaturity. He knows you and he loves you so much. I'm just full of it today in a good way. And I just want to just tell you that he loves you. He loves you. Maybe this should be named the He Loves You program. But let me tell you, the father loves you because of because of Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross. You are never alone. And let me tell you now, my friends, from the very start, if you've never known the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, then today is a good time. Now is the acceptable time. This is the acceptable hour. The Father declared in uh, the book of John, uh, John 3rd chapter, that he did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. So the father's not looking at you with a hand of judgment and condemnation. No, he's not pointing a finger. He's extending his hand. And there's a big difference between the finger of God and the hand of God. And the father wants to extend his hand and is extending his hand to you today, telling you, come home. He loves you. He really loves you. So all you've got to do, there's no magical prayer or formula. You just simply have to believe. Believe in the risen Savior. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is alive and well. Believe that he is God's sacrifice that takes away your sin. Believe, believe and ask him in your heart as your Savior. Turn from your sins and turn to God. He will help you because he loves you. You are the treasure that all heaven is talking about. You are that treasure. Glory to God, hallelujah. I feel like shouting today and uh, we're just getting started. Oh, I'm enjoying this. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You guys ready to get into the word of God? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much in the mighty name of Jesus for this time that you have given us to gather around your word. Father, I pray that you would speak today by your spirit and that you would lead us into all truth, show us things to come. And Father, thank you for my friend right now that is watching. Lord, I ask that you would bless them, that you would heal them, that you would deliver them, that you would make them completely whole. For Lord, they are your beloved. And I give you praise 
we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome! Yes! All right. Woo. All right. Well, uh, we're going to try to calm down now and get into the Bible. All right. So last time we were in uh, Luke, the eighth chapter, and we were speaking from the subject of a cry for help. And today we're going into a part number two of that, a cry for help. So we're going to start uh, again in Luke, the eighth chapter. If you weren't with us to hear part one, please go back and hear it. Uh, and the part before that, and the part before that, I know it's going to bless you. It's, it's going to give you context. Believe me. All right. Just, just, just try to go with me. At least go back to the message uh, entitled Overcoming the Storms. And from there, get into part number one here of a cry for help. And then you're back to part number two. So this is great. Let's go back up to verse number 30 now. And uh, we're really going to get into this. So verse 30, the Lord asks him, okay, what's, what's your name? But it's, I believe the Lord's asking uh, this spirit, what's his name, to give us information. Because it really doesn't matter what his name is. Jesus has authority over it, no matter what the name is. Because the Bible declares that Jesus has a name that is above all names. The Father gave him a name when he, when he uh, raised Jesus from the dead. When Jesus was raised from the dead and, and now he sits at the right hand of God. And the Bible declares, yeah, in the book of Ephesians that Jesus arose uh, with, uh, rather, in the Gospels, he told the disciples, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now go and preach the gospel. But when Jesus, uh, or should I say, and when Jesus got up from the, the dead, the Bible says that he ascended above all heavens and he fills all things. And God has given him a name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, if you are confronted by some demonic spirit, don't be compelled to use the, to ask them, what's your name? Remember, the Lord's doing us here to give us give us information. But you have a name that is greater than whatever name that is. Now, of course, the Lord leads you, you know, so forth. And all, but I don't want you to ever think that you have to ask a name in order to have authority over that name. Uh, what's your name, devil, so I can have authority over you? No, you already have authority over it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Just want to make sure we got that together. But I believe the Lord, again, is giving us, uh, he's asking this question for us to know what's going on here. And, and this, is, this is fabulous. This is just fabulous. For, so verse 30 says again, and Jesus asked him saying, what is thy name? And he said, legion. Remember, legion meant three to six thousand here and back in uh, Roman times here, uh, because many devils were entered into him. And then they said uh, to him and in verse 31, and they besought him that he would not command them uh, go out into the deep. And we remember from last time, the deep talks about the bottomless pit, the, the abyss, uh, the place of torment uh, for uh, these fallen spirits, right? Uh, so the Lord he didn't, he, he allowed, he allowed them to go into the pigs. Let's go ahead and read it. Verse 32. And there were a herd and herd of um, many, many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Now, the thing about the swine, thing about the swine is that 
even in the book of Leviticus, I believe the 11th chapter, Leviticus 11, maybe verse 7 or 17, you'll see there how under Levitical law uh, that the children of God, Israel or the Jews, were commanded uh, not to keep them, not to eat them, that these were unclean animals, right? But Jesus walks upon a place now, the Bible says that he came to his own and his own received him not. So he is among the Jews. He is among the, the children of God, the ones who has, have received this Levitical law saying, don't keep them, don't eat them. These are unclean animals. But here's a whole herd of about 2,000 here. These were unclean animals. All right. So somebody's keeping these animals over here, these herdsmen. Now, it, it is debatable. It is debatable of whether the herdsmen were Jews or if they were Gentiles. Uh, it is not spoken to us what they were doing with them, only that they were there. Now, that's a pretty large herd, almost 2,000 2, pigs. That's pretty large. And uh, notice that that is the place where this demon trafficked among the tombs, among the tombs and around around this uh, the herd of swine, these unclean animals that God told them, don't do it. Don't keep those. Don't have those. Don't eat those. All right. Look it up in the, uh, the book of Leviticus. These were unclean animals. But yet and still here they were. Uh, in God's country, so to speak. Why were they there? I don't know, but it's very interesting that these demons felt mighty comfortable, uh, mighty comfortable around them and uh, around the tombs going in and out among the dead. Now, it could be said, uh, it could be said that the enemy is able to traffic in your areas of disobedience. Now, that's a general principle that we can definitely glean from this how the devil is able to traffic in the areas of your disobedience. Now, it's just you and I talking here, right? Or if you have someone there with you. But in what area of your life are you, are you tolerating some things? Maybe the swine is not yours, or maybe the herd is not yours, but you're tolerating, tolerating it in your home. You're tolerating, tolerating it in your jurisdiction. You may not be doing this in yourself, but what are you tolerating or what are you allowing in your home? Does that make sense? Yeah, you may not be doing the drugs or whatever, but what are you allowing in your basement? What are you allowing the kids to do? What are you allowing people to come in and out? It's your house. It's your territory. God gave it to you. Maybe you're the boss or maybe you're the supervisor. And if you allow it, God's going to allow it. And it's just I'm just saying it's very interesting how the enemy is able to traffic in and out around something that really should not be there. Maybe it's making uh, the townspeople a little money. I don't know, but it shouldn't be there. And it's interesting how the enemy is able to traffic in and out. So I would tell you, I know it may be uncomfortable to have those conversations with people, but if it's in your house, uh, if, if it's among your stuff or maybe even if you are doing it, it, it tells it tells me or it should bear witness with you as well. If, if this is what the Lord is saying to you, that we need to get that stuff out. And once we get that stuff out, the enemy will be far less comfortable to traffic in and out 
uh, of the life, of your life or of the territory or whatever the situation may be. Make sense? Okay, I, I hope that helps you. So once we get it out, then let's sweep out the sweep out the things in the with the blood of Jesus just to go through the house, go through the workplace and just and just declare the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus all over the all throughout the house. Uh, take authority over any demonic power, any demonic presence that's there. I'm telling you, this is how we're going to do this thing. Once we come to the place, once we come to the place of obedience, then let's go ahead and sweep this mess out. Let's go ahead and clean the atmosphere, declaring the blood of Jesus over the house, declaring in the name of Jesus. Say something like, uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, I submit myself to you because remember the Bible declares, submit yourselves therefore unto God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you say, Father, I, I submit myself unto you right now in the name of Jesus. And of course, you want to go ahead and, and just repent of your sins. Father, I repent from, from what I have done. I realize that it was wrong. Uh, that it was not a uh, that it was not a work of righteousness. And I ask you to forgive me of this thing and to cleanse me, cleanse my heart, cleanse me first. Remember, get you right first and then deal with the stuff that is around you. That's a that that's another uh, strong point. Yeah, um, I'm not sure who this is for tonight, but if you're having problems, problems disciplining your children, or even problems disciplining coworkers, if you're the supervisor or what have you, if you're an authority, but you're having problems with those that are your subordinates or those that are under your authority, uh, first of all, make sure that you're in line with God. Make sure that you're in alignment with Him. Make sure uh, once, you're, once your obedience is fulfilled, then He'll help you deal with all the other stuff, right? People can smell a hypocrite and uh, you'll find that it's very difficult to get people to follow you or do what you say when you don't even do what you say. All right. Boy, boy, boy. This is all in love tonight. This is all in love. And I believe that it will help you if you if you hear the word, because the father does love you. Uh, as we put things in right order and perspective, you'll see how things will really just flow better and better and better in your life. Amen. 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 All right. We love you. We love you. We love you so much. All right. So let's go on a little bit further. Uh, I think we we're making a point there somewhere in there. But uh, yes, yes. Make sure that you are are obedient unto God and being obedient unto God. Uh, that keeps your your house clean. That keeps your house clean. You know, when your obedience is fulfilled, it gives the devil a lot less open doors to traffic in and out of your life. All right. So again, this herd of swine is there. The devils tell Jesus, hey, let us go into the herd of swine over there. You know, and so they jump in. Now, that gets into a lot of people talk about uh, animal possessions and things of that nature. I don't want to get into all of that tonight. Um, I'm not even really quite sure if that is really a thing or not. I'm not quite sure if this one example here really settles it. Uh, but, you know, there are others. Uh, we, I guess we talked about the book of Genesis, right? How um, the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve. But I don't believe that serpent was really possessed of the devil as much as the devil spoke to the serpent and the serpent himself went and did the work, right? The, the devil wasn't the serpent, but, but the Bible says the serpent uh, 
the serpent was a creature that God made upon the earth, right? Um, along with all the other animals. So the serpent wasn't the devil. The devil was the archangel Lucifer. There's a difference between the archangel, archangel Lucifer, the devil, and uh, the serpent that once upon a time, and we know that walked that walked upon the earth, it maybe had four legs. I'm not sure how many legs it, it had, but we know that because that after the fall, after the after the Lord's curse, God said, You're gonna you're gonna now go on your belly. So it's either he had legs or wings or something, but the curse is that now you're gonna be on your belly. All right. So as we see snakes today. As a result of the curse. So some kind of way, either they had legs or something or wings. I have no idea. All I know is that now they are doomed to walk, um, to slither uh, on their bellies because of what was done, because the devil used him or because it allowed, should I say, because the serpent allowed the devil to use him. Now, whether it was possession, I don't know. Uh, I, I would rather say uh, the enemy convinced that serpent and then the serpent went in and talked to Eve. So there you go. So I'm neither hero nor for animal possession, but I do know that uh, demons at least have the power to enter in, as we see here, into animals. But their main goal is humans, human beings, human beings. All right, because remember, this one man had three to 6,000. And the, the herd of swine, I believe, was about 2,000, 2,000. So one swine is not gonna, one pig is not gonna carry three to 6,000 uh, demon spirits, but one man could. Interesting, huh? All right, that's all we're gonna say about that. You can, you can go even further if you like. All right, so verse 32 says again, and uh, there were an herd of, of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter, in, enter into them, and he suffered them. All right. Now we can also see the intelligence. The intelligence. Uh, demons or devils are not mindless beings, they are extremely intelligent. And uh, they have uh, uh, plans and strategies. Jesus even said that, that uh, Satan has a kingdom. And we can look at that. That's over also in the book, uh, also in the book of uh, Mark. We were just in Mark last time. But in, let's see, Mark the, I think Mark the fourth chapter, I won't get it, but Mark the fourth chapter, he talks about, uh, you know, he was casting out devils and the scribes, Pharisees, you know, one of those bunch uh, said to him uh, or said about him, well, he's casting out devils because you know, he's possessed, uh, he's possessed by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. You know, they say you're able to do this because you've got a devil in you. So you can cast out other devils because you're possessed, Jesus. This, in other words, the spirit that's in you is a devil. Right. That's what they were saying. Go back and look at it. Uh, Mark, I think Mark, the fourth chapter, maybe third chapter. But you'll see that. Jesus says, he said, boys, he called them over and said, if Satan cast out Satan, how can his kingdom stand? So just to know that the devil has a kingdom means that his forces are organized, organized and extremely intelligent. All right. And we know the enemy has wiles. The Bible says that you put on the whole armor of God and take the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy or the, the wiles of the enemy. It goes on there. Ephesians 6, I think somewhere around the 10th 
10th verse, but look, look, look that up as well uh, to look more about that uh, because the enemy has wiles, he has tricks, and he has schemes. Uh, so I'm trying to bring to you that, uh, that the demonic kingdom is intelligent. They're not stupid. They're very intelligent, and they're very crafty and sneaky. But the name of Jesus, Jesus himself, has power over all of them. And because you are a born-again believer, this is one reason, another reason why it's important for you to be in the body of Christ, to be in the body of Christ, because when, you're, when you are in his body, you also carry his authority. Those that are in his body carry his, carry his authority. Think about it for a moment. All right, think about a, a human body. Here you go, right here. Let's just take the one that's right here. The same authority that's in my head is also in my shoulders, also in my hands. It's a part of me. My authority doesn't stop just in my head and my body doesn't flow with it. No, it's, it's all me. It's all me. The same power, or, or we can even say the same blood that flows through my head uh, flows through my hands. So the Father chose for us to be called the body of Christ and we are baptized, the Bible says, baptized into Christ. And Christ is, is in us and we are in him. And the same power that flows through the head flows through the body. So Jesus said again, the works that I do, you should do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go into the Father. He has made a way for us. So what the enemy desperately, desperately does not want us to know is that we do have the power and the authority through Christ Jesus. He can defeat you through your ignorance, defeat you through your ignorance, and also through unrepented sin, unrepented sin. It's kind of like, oh, this is going to be kind of graphic, so please, please forgive me. If you have a lot of poop around, the flies are going to show up. I know. Mm, mm, yeah, I know. I know. But if you have that, the flies are going to show up. And sin is like the poop. And the flies are like demons. If the sin is in the house, the flies will show up. I don't know how they get there, but they will get there. Uh, I mean, get in when someone opens the door, zoom, they come right on in there or a window or what have you. But they will smell it and they are attracted to it. The flies are attracted to poop just like demons are attracted to sin and lawlessness. It's gonna happen. So you cast your stuff out, uh, get the stuff out of your life. Now, I don't know, but let's go through, let's go here just for a second before we get, get back into the text. Does um, sin in the life of a, of a believer change uh, God's view of you? If you have poop in the house, is that going to change God's view of you? No, no, not at all. He loves you apart from all those things. Just like a parent uh, loves the child that has cancer. The I mean, the, the parent does not, stop, does not stop loving the child that has cancer. The parent loves the child but hates the cancer. Does, does that make sense? Just like he loves you, but he hates the sin. He hated, he detested, but he loves you, but he hates that. And you'll find that a lot of his efforts are to get that stuff cleaned out of your life because it stinks, it smells, it reeks. And I know this is going to be, uh, oh, excuse me too. Yeah, 
Uh, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, the longer it sits there, you can smell it. The harder it gets. <laughs> I, see, I, I don't know why. Oh. The harder it gets, the longer that poop sits there, the harder it gets, and the harder it is. You know. Yeah, all right. Well, let's try to get that image out of our out of our heads for a moment. Ugh. Ugh. So we're gonna re repent and get that stuff out of us and get it away from us. Amen. 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 And ask the Lord to help us to live a godly, holy, clean life, which, by the way, can only be done through the power of His Holy Spirit. Not by willpower. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. I am not going to sin. I am not going to. No, that, that won't work. You'll find yourself just thinking about the sin even more. That won't stop it. But when you cry out to the Father, ask him to cleanse you, spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, just spend time with him. You'll find that that stuff just melts away out of your life. Amen, amen, amen. So let's try to get back uh, into the scripture now, if we can. Yeah, I don't know how we got there, but uh, mm, yeah. All right, so let's look uh, as we begin to wrap up. Now, verse 33 says, uh, okay, verse 33. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. All right, verse 34. Then, rather, when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. All right, remember, this is something big. Um, this is something big. They all known about this man who's possessed with the devils. This was, I'm sure... Everybody knew this in, in the town roundabout about what was going, going on with this man. Remember, uh, I believe Mark says that uh, he was in the tombs day and night uh, crying and cutting himself, crying and cutting himself. And he was naked and, you know, living in the graves, the tombs. And whenever anybody came that way, he would not allow them to pass. He was just so fierce and so violent. Maybe people wanted to visit their loved ones, uh, much like today, going into the grave sites. Maybe they want to visit their graves and uh, pay uh, final respects or whatnot. But they couldn't do it with this man around. I don't know. That's interesting, isn't it? All right, let's, let's look a little bit further. But those that saw it didn't hop up for joy. No, they went to the city and ran and told it. Look at verse 35. It says, then they went out to see what was done. All right, so I'm not sure how many herdsmen there were, but they all went because all their livelihood is now down the toilet, right? Or should I say down in the, what did I say toilet? It's now down in the sea, now down in the lake. The pigs ran down there. They're herdsmen, that's their job. That's what they're, that's, those pigs were their livelihood. So they went down and I'm sure they're frustrated, probably angry. I don't know, but they went and told the townspeople. All right, here they come back out, verse 35. Then they uh, went out to see uh, what was done and, and came to Jesus. Mm, here we go. Okay, 
<laughs> this is a, oh, I love this part, okay. You can dance too, by the way. <laughs> All right, okay, calm down. All right, here we go. And came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed. How did they find him? They found him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. Remember, he was naked all the time, naked. He was clothed now. Somebody gave him some clothes. Clothed and in his right mind. Another, I love the way the New Living Translation says it. And it says so he was clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. Uh, let's look at 35 in the New Living Translation. It says people rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been uh, rather. They saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus's feet fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Wow! <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine that picture, man? Can you imagine that picture? Wow, this man that was terror terrorizing the coast, this man that was so fierce, hollering and cutting himself, Ah, oh, filled with demons. I'm sure you could see this, see the demons and all that in his face and all of that. Now they see him again sitting at the feet of Jesus. Woo! Power, 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 power. Now fully clothed and perfectly sane. They didn't know what in the world to think. Remember there. Their solution was bind him up, bind him up. Remember, bind the bound. He's already bound inside, bound spiritually. Let's bind him and let's put him away. Let's let's lock him away. But they couldn't because every time they would uh, bind him and put him under a guard, that a spirit would come or these demons would come and he would break. He would break those chains asunder and then he'd be driven off into the uh, into the wilderness somewhere, into the into the woods somewhere. So they knew he was a wild man. So listen, I think there's another point we need to stop at here. If there's if there's a wild situation in your life, if there's a situation that looks hopeless, if there is a teenager in your home that seems to be hopeless or grandchild or maybe a relative, maybe they're strung out on drugs or what have you. And it's they seem to be hopeless. Get Jesus to them. Give Jesus to them. Huh? You give your life to Jesus. You give your life to Jesus and you go before them and declaring his great love. And you minister to them in the way that the Lord leads you. You may lay your hands upon them. And other times you may say in the name of Jesus. Now, there may not be demons in that person. You know, let, let, let me qualify this. Uh, sometimes there are some legitimate uh, legitimate mental things happening, chemical imbalances. There may be some legitimate things that are happening physically that has nothing to do with a demonic spirit. So every time you see somebody acting crazy, it doesn't mean a demon is there. There may be some mental issues. That's all there is to that. So you're going to have to be discerning to know what is and what is not. All right. These things are still alive today, but not everyone has a demon in them. Everybody that's acting crazy has a demon in them. All right. All right.
Let's get that, get that out the way. But they find this man fully clothed, perfectly sane, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And they were terrified at the sight of pure power. I mean, we could stay there for days. Can you imagine that? This thing that had terrorized you, this thing that had bothered you, this thing that you said, there is no hope for it. They just gave up on it because it was too strong for them. Now sitting at the feet of Jesus, perfectly sane. They freaked out, man. That was just, whoo, I don't know. Just get that. Meditate on that some more, would you? I mean, just at the sight of supreme power and authority. I mean, it was just, just awesome. Verse 36, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up now. It says, they also, which saw, which saw it, told them by what means he that was possessed of the devil was healed. Jesus did it. He did it. He did it. 37, then the whole multitude, mm, here's the sad part, isn't it? Yeah. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadareans round about besought him to depart from them. The whole multitude of the country of the Gadareans told Jesus, get out. That's odd, isn't it? You've seen this display of incredible power. But because they didn't understand, they were afraid. Some Bible commentators say that because they really didn't want to repent, they asked him to go. Now notice too, in this context of scripture that we see the herdsmen or the swine owners did not ask Jesus for restitution. They did not ask him to repay me, repay me for the swine that, that you killed, Jesus. It's all your fault. They didn't ask for restitution. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. I believe because they knew something was up and Jesus came to correct. Mm, you know, there's a lot of commentators about that. So you can do some more research about that. Not going to go too deep. Verse 37 again, they all came and asked the Lord, hey, would you depart from us? Would you get out of here? Why did they do that? For they were taken with great fear. And uh, he went up into the ship and returned back again. He didn't fight with them. You don't want God? All right, he'll leave. He'll leave. I believe he's coming back eventually or going to definitely going to send the disciples into that country. But before he leaves, yeah, he definitely leaves one disciple in that country. Look at verse 38. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed, besought him that he might be with him. Jesus, take me with you. Oh, my God. Isn't that powerful? Jesus, take me with you. I want to go with you, Lord. That's awesome. But Jesus sent him away saying, he said, not right now, buddy. Not right now. He says, return to your own house. Now here, he's sending him into his mission field. He's sending him into his mission field. He says, return to thine own house and show how great things God have done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Did you catch that little phrase there? What did Jesus say? Show 
how great things God hath done unto thee. And what did the man do? Uh, he said, and he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Did you get that? Yeah. Jesus is God. God in the flesh. Son of God and son of man. Hallelujah. But that's powerful, isn't it? Jesus always glorifies the Father. Always glorifies the Father, right? And uh, here's this man glorifying Jesus. And Jesus takes that glory and gives it to the Father. Isn't that awesome? That's powerful. Which is another lesson, another life lesson too. When you do something well, uh, I've heard one minister saying, and I, I've tried to say this as well. When you receive all these compliments, you know, some people say, well, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was the Lord. It wasn't me. It wasn't me that sang that song. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. You know, I would think of the Lord sang that song. It would sound much better than if you sang it. That's what, that's what I'm saying. You know. But anyway, so, you know, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. The Lord sang it. You know, again, I would think he would sing better. But mm, let's digress. Instead of saying no, 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 instead of reflecting it, Instead of reflecting, receive it. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And then when you're alone, get before the Lord and say, Lord, all this praise belongs to you. I wrap them up in a nice bouquet and I give them to you. All this praise is all for you. Isn't that awesome? All this praise is for you. I love you. And I thank you for giving me the ability to do this to glorify your wonderful name among your people. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So this man goes back and he goes forth and he ministers to the crowd, uh, ministers to his family. He gets to go back home to his own family. He says, go back to thine own house. And look at that in verse 39, uh, actually in Mark 5:19. Mark 5:19. Listen to this out of the New Living Translation, and we're coming to a close. It says, but Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord have done for you and how merciful he has been. So this man gets to go back home to his family. There was a cry for help, a cry for help. Jesus answered the call. This man had a family. This man had friends. I'm not sure how he got into this condition to have all these spirits in him. But one thing is true. I'm sure when he went back home to his family, they all saw him. Oh, my Lord, look at you. Fully clothed. I'm sure he was bathed, fully clothed, fully sane. And he came home talking about the Lord. Awesome. Awesome. I love Jesus. Awesome. Amen. So let's just keep meditating on that throughout this week. When we get back, we're going to be talking next about what happens after. Because remember, the Lord, as they tell him to Jesus, you got to get out of here. He gets back into the boat and he's going back to the other side. We're going to talk about what happens when he gets back to, to the other side. And there are some people waiting for him on the other side. So he's rejected on one side, but he's going to be madly received on the other side. So 
Let's check it out. And I'll be glad to be back with you on next week. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah, I know it. I know it. I can't help it. I'm just excited <laughs> about Jesus, man. Woo. All right. Uh, I'm not sure how you're watching or listening, but if you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe so that you can be up to date with the next video or audio message that comes out. Until next time, remember, Jesus loves you so much. And so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. And I will see you next week.